Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Start you introduced... Trent Alexander-Arnold and Jaden Sancho to the game uh, and recently featured in the Nike England shirt advert. Working with brands which I grew up wearing to now actually yeah. shooting for them and collaborating with the, with them on massive worldwide projects. It's, Baller it's moves. surreal. Being in a cubicle, walking out and like you hear Rashford and it's just like, <laughs> it's just <laughs> stuff like that. It's just Mason Mount holding a door open for you. It's just never ever would I've ever imagined stuff like that so do you think there are many misconceptions maybe about blind football people say you know how well blind people on a football pitch is going to be smashing into each other but actually the, the skill level and the, the kind of the intricate rules are, are really smart i came onto the pitch and there's about 30 seconds ago it probably less we had a corner and I, I walk over to the corner and um and the coach has shouted let's him take it i've got to talk to you about the tough mudder uh, especially as you're the the youngest blind person to have completed it. Uh, the first thing that they said to me across their mind was, "We we don't we didn't know what what type of life you go, you were going to end up having in terms of will you be able to work? Will you be able to to get educated?" Yes, people, welcome to the Football and Feelings podcast. It has been a couple of weeks, but thank you for joining me again. I am here with our guest for this episode. We're going to dive straight into it. He is an advocate for disability awareness. He's a TEDx speaker, a footballer in the blind England setup. It's the ever so amicable Azim Amir. Azim, how are you, sir? Hi, mate. I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? I'm I'm brilliant, mate. I'm brilliant. How have you been? How have you been getting on through lockdown two? Because for some people, it's been a bit difficult. For some, it's been very busy. How's it been going for yourself? Well, living up in Manchester, it feels like we haven't come out of lockdown since March. Like we've always mm. had some form of um, restriction or some some form of uh, something in place. So yeah, I just hope that kind of this is this is that for for lockdowns and um, turn of the new year, and we'll be we'll be. Hopefully back to some form of some form of normality. There's good good news about the um, the vaccine coming out. So fingers crossed, like that starts um, starts uh, to to kind of pave the barrier of getting us getting us back to some form of normal. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. Have you been able to keep up um, like football training throughout um, lockdown somehow? Um, yes, but it's been a bit slightly more different to to what I would have uh, what I would have done done uh, kind of on on the day to day normally, mm-hmm. like in terms of. Um, just kind of a lot of training on on your own and and to keep yourself kind of um, interested and 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 quite motivated. It, it just has meant training in a different way. So I've done a lot of done a lot of kind of things, not necessarily just football, more things around it. So a lot more running. Uh, done done some work on a tandem, which is um, something that I've never done before, um, nice. and even boxing. So. Um, oh, wow. Just kind of um, like varying it up to to keep myself going, but I've had a really really good um, few months of few months of training and um, just enjoyment as well. Like sometimes when you're when you're in the middle of football season and and all you're prepping, you forget to like enjoy the training. And mm. um, I definitely have done a lot more of that this um, this year. But I'm I'm ready to get back and 
back with the team and back with the coaching staff now on the pitch and yeah hopefully some games because we ain't played since february oh wow wow that's oh, that's, an, that's an absolute age let's dive into it then uh, with some football chat i want to find out when your sort of passion for football began and and how you were introduced to blind football because it's a setup that i don't really know about in terms of how accessible it is to people around the country um, so in terms of like blind football itself, it's um it's a, a five side sport um played by four outfield players who were uh, blindfolds and one fully sighted goalkeeper, um and it's um it's played on a five side pitch with boards going down the side of the side of the pitch, which help to uh, not only keep the ball in play because obviously the players can't see the lines, so these boards mm-hmm. will will kind of stop the ball the ball from going out and the ball will bounce back in, but also it helps the players in terms of like. They're hearing because the ball will make a, a really distinct sound because there's ball bearings in it in the panels of it. So instead of that, people using their their eyes um, in mainstream, they'll use it in blind football. You use you use your hearing. Um, so that kind of really really taps into a different a different sense. But um, yeah, it's kind of played up until from a grassroots level all the way up to the Paralympics and um, and a European and world level, which I guess is is kind of the the pinnacle of of our sport. But also um in terms of people say you know how well blind people on a football page is going to be smashing into each other but actually the, the skill level um and and the, the kind of the intricate rules are, are really smart in terms of because how do you know where the goal is where one of your one of your coaches will stand behind the goal that you're shooting towards um and he'll kind of give you and he'll be like an audible tannoy and mm-hmm. and that's really helpful because he'll say you know shift left shift right there's a player player on, on your left beat him off his right shoulder shoot at my voice and and actually it's it's really really um it's a really cool way of, of playing football i guess a lot of people i'd, I'd even go as far as saying 95 percent of the country don't even know what what blind football is or have ever heard or seen it so um you know it's it's something that is um is on is is in its infancy as a sport but i think yeah. the more people that know about it and doing things like this where people can even hear about it for the first time is 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 really good for the awareness of the sport, which will then hopefully lead to to more people uh, participating in it to to mm-hmm. actually to actually take part, but also kind of the coaches and volunteers and goalkeepers and and staff that are so important in the mainstream to to helping it to to develop as a sport. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen on, on YouTube. I've seen you banging in the goal from a set piece. <laughs> Um, and one thing I didn't realise you talking about the assistance you get from from the sidelines is I thought it was very quite clever really how they knock the posts when you're on a set piece so you know exactly like where to sort of aim between and um, you had no problem slotting that one away. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's again like for people just think ah oh, the the quality will be but will be really rubbish like people be walking into each other but you know actually it's it's completely it's really really kind of like I use the word intricate in terms of you know tapping the post so that I can like picture where the where the goal is so that mm. um I can like visualize it and then using the the, the noise of the defenders which will they'll kind of they, they need to say the word voy v-o-y um, which means I go in Spanish, and what that what that will do is, it will kind of give me uh, a signal as to where the defender is, um, so I know that okay, where to dodge the sound, um, so I'll dodge the sound and then strike it to where I think the goal is, or where my guide is behind the goal, and then yeah, it's just it's just really really cool, and um, you know I started playing when I was at the age of fifteen, 
uh, take it up as a as a hobby and um, you know got signed up to a club when I was able to play open age because blind football because there's not a lot of participants in the um, players in the UK um, you know it's it's kind of an open age structured league so mm-hmm. playing playing that's my first time like putting on a on a on a kind of a, a shirt with your team's badge on it with having a number and uh, walking on the pitch and just yeah this is the, the changing room banter and all that stuff that comes with it so it was great to be part of um, the National League in England and then from then I got um, got asked to to uh, come down to some trials with uh, the England uh, blind football team so mm. they're based up at St George's Park um, so and obviously that's an, an unbelievable facility like you're, you're walking past having your dinner and, and Jordan Pickford's coming through, or mm. uh, you know, you're walking past Phil, Phil Neville and 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 the top top of our Harry Kane. You know, it's like it's just crazy, crazy. Like never ever would I ever imagine like being stood in a line and behind me is like Rashford. Um, the funniest one is like being in a cubicle walking out and like you hear Rashford and it's just like <laughs> it's just you know it's just stuff like that. It's just Mason Mount holding a door open for you. It's just never ever would I've ever imagined stuff like that happening. So we're very very um, we're very fortunate to have, um, you know, be be at the home of English football, um, mm. and it's it's great to to have them unbelievable facilities, which then in turn kind of helps helps us to to develop as a team. So I started training, and then um, I was very fortunate um, about eighteen months ago to get a call up to um, to the first team to actually go out and play. And the first the first cap I got was in uh, Japan. Um, so we travelled out there for a tournament, and and yeah, ever since then I've been uh, extremely lucky to have the honour and privilege to to sing the national anthem, travel the world, play in different countries, and I'm still quite quite a newbie, so I'm in really early in my development. But it just gives you a little taste of what it's like to 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 what kind of the hard work is for these days, these games, these these kind of playing against the top top players, and yeah, it's something that I really want to progressing awesome awesome yeah I, I was actually going to ask you sort of answered the question there i was going to ask about how the setup works in terms of like the traditional way of playing for a club and then you get picked up for international breaks and stuff like that is it very similar in that aspect or is blind football a bit more internationally orientated um in terms of the league structure so the the league kind of um, is is based uh, in in Herefordshire in in the in the UK, but mm. uh, internationally the the camps will happen at St George's Park, and then the kind of the best players from the league will get picked to to come up and train, and then um, you know there'll be there'll be either a tournament or a or a cup that we we travel to as an England team, and then yeah, it's just it's a it's it's you'll be surprised at how technical and tactical it is. Like even I sometimes. When I hear about what um, other countries are doing to develop them, them, them nation, them, their nation to be kind of, um, kind of developing in the terms of the blind football, their their rankings in the world and things like that, and the the, the tactical and uh, elements of it, you know, their the, their set piece routines, and you think mm. there's there's blind there's blind football teams practicing dummies and during corners, and I'm thinking it's just like even that surprises me, like. They're going to knock a ball in, so it goes through the legs of a of one of their own players, so that their defender who's on the outside has got a clear sh- strike. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just it's just so crazy how they how um, how tactical it is. But yeah, it's um it's it gets you it really gets you thinking, which is um which is which is good. 
So do you think there are many um, misconceptions maybe about blind football to to people outside of that realm? I think a lot of it comes from their perceptions of blind people in society. Like Hmm. a lot of people see blind people, or they don't even see blind people, they see like a white stick or a guide dog and they think, okay, so this poor guy's probably got a less of of, a quality of a life than, than someone who could see. And, you know, it's and it all starts with that people when where where do people mainly come across someone who's blind well it's probably like in a train station or a bus station or in the shops and you see someone like struggling because of how how big a, a train station is and you think oh yeah poor guy and and then you all automatically link that into their 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 life kind of outside of that where you think okay they're probably uh, struggle with to find a job, struggle with education, struggle with with doing anything social, and and that's the pa- picture that's painted within within people within society subconsciously. I don't actually think they mean to do it, but they just it just automatically one one links to the other, and and that's just how they how they perceive it. But it's it's a lot. I think then that I guess is replicated across all disabilities. You know, someone who's hearing impaired, someone with a learning difficulty, someone with a physical impairment. You know, you think oh that's it and, and never ever would they think okay this guy's got a, a, um, a white cane or, or a stick who's walking through a train station he's never to think okay poor guy but actually he's about to uh, get the train station to the airport and then he's going to go travel to Argentina for three weeks to represent his country playing football mm-hmm. so they don't they don't they never ever that would I don't think crosses people's minds but hopefully times will times are changing and people's uh, thoughts and thought processes are developing to to be a bit more open i guess mm-hmm. yeah absolutely we'll definitely come back onto that subject because i know that was the sort of premise of your of your tedx talk and i'd like to d- to dive into that a little bit later but sticking on to, to football at the right right now is there a standout moment for you in your football career so far um, obviously you've got you've got years ahead of you that you're going to create new memories and achievements but so far is there one thing that that really stands out? You know, um, making my debut for for the um, the England blind football team when I actually um, came on for thirty seconds, thirty seconds. <laughs> so we had a, we were literally the last thirty seconds of the game, and the manager says to me, "Okay, team, right, you're ready to come on." And everybody just they still to this day are the whole team and the staff just have a laugh about it because um, I came onto the pitch and there's about thirty seconds ago, probably less. We had a corner. And I walk over, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so kind of on edge and so hyped up. And I, I walk over to the corner and um, there's one of the other players, he's, he's, he, and the coach is shouting, let us him take it, let us him, let us him take it. And the the, um, the, the guy that um, that was taking the corner, he's like, right, just just take it easy. Come stand behind me, you're going to, you're going to just, and then he just knocks the corner in front and then just stands there waste 30 seconds and that's it I don't I, I probably got one touch of the ball rolling it to him on the corner and that's it but it just it always makes me laugh to think that's where it all started and mm-hmm. now as as times have developed now I'm coming on to actually make a, a meaningful impact to play big chunks of games and that's only going to get that's only going to kind of grow and grow as as time passes on so mm-hmm. yeah that was that was a surreal surreal feeling and it's it quite funny actually to to say that I, I still class it as an unofficial debut. I don't even class it as a debut. <laughs> Deep down, I'm not even classing that. 
that's all right. I, I, I think you can still count it. Debut's a debut. But um, but what, what's the training regime like at England camps then? And obviously, like you said, they're at St George's Park, and I'm sure they're they're very intense whilst you're there. And so, in terms of um, the camp, so we usually meet for three to four days, um, similar to like what the um, the, the first team, uh, the men's first mm-hmm. team, do. So we'll we'll turn up on um, a Friday, and there'll usually be a team meeting. Um, and then we'll do a training session in the in the evening, and then that will then tailor into um, either some form of uh, fitness testing or um, working on, I guess, a bit of a, an outside aspect, whether that be SNC or even uh, what's being incorporated now is a lot to do with psychology. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll have a session with a psychologist or a video analyst who will go over um, so kind of what we what we're trying to achieve in that camp and how we can achieve it through. Um, like wider knowledge, whether that be through mindset, whether that be through um, descriptions of how uh, of footage of how other teams are playing, or the type of um, the type of kind of uh, role or the type of topic that we want to work on that we, that weekend. Um, so that'll be the Friday. Saturday we'll usually do a double session um, mixed in with some form of testing or some form of uh, work around um, a workshop, whether that be to do with mindset, whether that be to do with um, going back and um, kind of checking in with the players because our players are dotted all around the country um, mm-hmm. from kind of the northeast to, to down to Portsmouth to Manchester to Liverpool so the players when they come together it's just nice to actually catch up to see how everybody's doing in life um, because you know the blind football is uh, it's kind of semi-professional so a lot of the lads have got things going on alongside it whether that be studies whether that be work whether that be running their own business um, so they do football alongside that because, um, you know, it, it doesn't pay to the extent where you can use it as a full-time job. You need mm-hmm. other things to to rely on. So um, the only way I can say it's like women's football in its early stages. Um, and, and that's where disability football and blind football is at the minute. In fact, if anything, blind football is slightly ahead of um, disability football because a lot of that comes down to the fact that it's in the Olympics. Uh, a Paralympics or having that um, you know that opportunity to to win a or go to an, uh, be quite, kind of qualify for an Olympics Paralympics and also get a medal it, it kind of gives you a bit of a um, and, and a bit of added exposure so um, you know that form of when we're back at camp is, is replicated to really to really make the most of the time that we have and um, whether that be through sessions whether that be through walkthroughs and working with different coaches um, physios, you know, it's a, it's a, it's quite an intense, but it's, it's definitely worth it. I just um, wish our budget allowed for more, uh, for more counts because that's where we really develop when, when we're as a team. And then away from that, um, we use kind of a heart rate based system, um, which are little monitors and GPS units, which we all wear when we train in our home areas. Um, so we have a set plan to do away from camps, um, and that'll entail like football training or um, strength training or um, sometimes even re- recovery training um, for a certain amount, certain sessions for a certain amount of time for mm-hmm. per day or um, kind of we'll have structure as to what we have to do to keep us ticking and what our targets are and the monitors will track all that data, send it back to the, the um, analysts to make sure that everybody's kind of pulling their weight outside of the camps to make sure that when we do get to camp, we're not worried about kind of, if players have been training because we know that players have, have hit their targets, they're ready to go. We, we don't have to worry about uh, kind of dry skills. We can really focus on the tactical elements and, you know, set pieces and, and the, the, I guess, a team tactical structure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And it, like you say, it sounds very similar to the sort of treatment I imagine the, the first team gets. And also with you, because you're in in what what seems like, like I said, I don't know much about the blind football world, but it seems like the England setup is 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 pretty up there, in, especially in terms of like facilities and stuff like that. And I've seen that you've uh, you've had like some advantages off the pitch involved in the team, such as like you introduced. Trent Alexander-Arnold and Jaden Sancho to the game uh, and recently featured in the Nike England shirt advert. So you're obviously doing incredible things on and off the pitch. Oh, yeah. So I've had some uh, unbelievable experiences that have come um, alongside me playing. And and it's even even to be on this this podcast, you know, I, I never you never think that as a as a the opportunities that you get outside of football, a lot of it does feed in through you doing well at football, and that's something that I've I've learned in terms of the well the more better the better you do on the pitch, the better opportunities you'll get you'll get off it. And um, in terms of working with some of the pro athletes and footballers like uh, your Sancho's, yeah, um, Gerrard's, Trent Alexander Arnold, you know, it's it's been great to actually get the blind football into the mainstream because I think that's something that people they don't even think about you know they're professional footballers and that it's probably never ever crossed their mind how does a blind person ever play football and you know even though there's an actual England team who, tra- who tra- travel the world yeah. they never it never would, would come across people's minds that uh, there's there are actual people who can't see you right who are also playing football at the top of our level the same same way that they are representing their country get putting the three lines on so um, getting them to experience what it's like and then to appreciate the the challenges that uh, blind people face off the pitch to then you know see them expressing themselves on it it's it's i think it that's what really hits a chord with with them as as um, professional footballers so it's been great to get that exposure and also working with the big big brands such as um such as nike and others it's it's great to to for the, for for myself and also for them for myself in terms of um working with brands which i grew up wearing to now actually <laughs> shooting for them and 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 collaborating with the with them on massive worldwide projects is surreal surreal (laughs) honestly it is it's stuff that uh, i never i never even could imagine and um this year has been incredible for for some of the for for some of the experiences that i've been able to to do in terms of the the kit launch and Mm. um you know working with some of the some of the some of the other um england footballers from around the country but also for them uh, you know it shows that you know society is moving forward but also the brands are um, opening their horizons in terms of mm. spreading the word of disability, um, disability football, and um, you know another um, unbelievable project that Nike have currently been working on is creating a a, a boot for cerebral palsy footballers, um, and it's a boot where it's adapted to allow those with cerebral palsy or a physical um, limb impairment to be able to uh, comfortably wear a boot. Uh, in terms of to um, allow it to be adapted so that they don't have to do their laces because you know uh, uh, a story that I once heard um, kind of a few years ago was a mother of a a young boy um, and she was like you know my son loves to play football but he doesn't go to away games and I was like how come your son doesn't go to away games and she went "Um, it's because that when he's at home his parents uh, were there his mum and dad are there and um, if he uh, if his laces get undone we we can tie him up for him and he only feels comfortable with his mum and dad tying him up because he can't do his own laces. Mm. Um, so he doesn't travel to away games because 
um, a lot of the time um, his mother and father were working and I just thought, you know, that should never ever be a barrier um, for someone who doesn't can't or doesn't yeah. go to football or train football just because or that they feel uncomfortable with them tying their, their own laces and you know and it's it was amazing that that Nike then um, not only kind of through myself but also through through learning more about the game and what cerebral palsy football needed were able to then develop something like that for them to allow them to be able to compete to play to train whether it be a recreational level or an elite level but to not have any barriers and having a, a boot that the heel flips down the laces are um, already tied so it's a strap that goes around the boot and with this really really high level of innovation is this really really good for the game and for the players and for the next generation who now don't have to worry about how they'll be able to tie their boots they, they can now worry about and concentrate about playing mm-hmm. yeah yeah see that's that's exactly the sort of thing that a lot of people don't think about they don't think about those those minuscule barriers or but they sound minuscule to us but to others they're not minuscule so it's, it's really great to hear that that perspective and also some of what you said there is a massive credit to yourself for how sort of hard you've worked and how hard other people work to get to where you are because it seems like you've sort of thrived with uh just sort of accepting what you can do um but has there ever been stages in your life where maybe you've struggled to accept like the cards you've been dealt or have you always been able to to embrace it um, i think in terms of um actually yeah because it's so me being born with visual impairment meant that i actually believe that i was much more luckier than a lot of other people you know there's there's some people who have been fully sighted um up until either a young age or their teens and they then lose their sight for no apparent reason within within the space of a week or two and uh, genuinely I've, I've come across people who are who are like that there's a the a lot in our team who um up until the age of 17 was was living his normal life fully sighted and then started to lose his sight randomly through a genetic kind of disorder and and he had to then adapt the whole of his life to to live in living without without sight something that he relied on every day of is you know 17 year life and it was you know i always i i always almost think i'm lucky to be um that was born the way i am so that i have adapted to live independently to have these little kind of mechanisms around the house to allow me to and just thought process you know little adaptions that i can go and go about doing my own thing without having to rely on anyone because you know that's that's something that a lot of people perceive blind people do like or disabled people you know they have mm-hmm. to have someone with them but i'd say a high majority of the blind football team now like we have got live on their own like they live independently and they live with their with their families uh in terms of like they've got kids they've got uh wives they've got jobs but you know initially when i was the first child um of my parents and uh the first thing that they said to me across their mind was we we don't we didn't know what what type of life you go you were going to end up having in terms of will you be able to work will you be able to to get educated like we definitely knew we could drive like that was one thing we knew um but uh, in terms of everything else we weren't we weren't sure because it, it was just that uncertainty but um then pushing me to to um from a young age to take up every opportunity really then i think uh allowed me to flourish in terms of um getting older and 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 growing up and maturing at quite an early an early age compared to compared to others you know being 21 and having achieved um what i've achieved already i'm, I'm i look sometimes 
I don't really reflect as much as I should do, but sometimes you just got to think, you know, I've come a long way from, from, from where I started being in a mainstream, being in mainstream education as the only disabled person in, in, in primary school, high school, you know, it's, it's a big, it was, it was a big challenge, but to, to come out of that and to, I guess, to get to where I am now, it's it sometimes that, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of the journey that I've been on, but I also know that the power that I can have on others. And that's something that, through working with young people in particular, I've realized that, you know, the, the power that you hold is, is really kind of unlocked. Like you don't actually realize how much power you or influence you can have on um, someone's life until you have a chat to them or they hear your story or they ask you a question and you leave them with something that sticks with them for a long, long time. And that could um, hopefully kind of change their perception of, of life and society and, and yeah, I just kind of, I'm generally very, very, feel very, very lucky. Like you'd think, you know, blind person says he's lucky to be, to be blind. And you think, is he off, off his head? But I actually think I'm, I'm generally lucky because there's people out there who, who, who kind of, who are going through much, much um, more greater struggles than, than what I have. And, and, and you know, in, if you look at it in perspective, the year that we've had, um, in terms of the COVID pandemic, you know, you know, people have lost their lives, and people have got now, now kind of have suffered a lot through through that. And we've got, I'm really lucky to have good health, good wealth, have family, friends, work, football. You know, you think actually we're so much looking compared to compared to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible that you take that you take that outlook. Um, yeah, perspective definitely helps you sort of appreciate the things that you've got. Um, but there is, there, there must be some things like I imagine it's been a long and ongoing process, maybe to like trust your other senses and and do what you can to to get around with certain things. Like when we spoke on the phone the other day, uh, we we spoke about like able sighted people sometimes feeling disorientated. Maybe let's say someone's in like a city centre, for example. But if something like that happens to you, do you are you able to like to keep yourself calm and to to then sort of make a plan from there? How how does that work? I think a lot of it comes from like um, kind of getting 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 lost in a, in a in an empty room in terms of just like trying to figure out where you, where you've left things in a room. Like obviously, the amount of times I've I've left my keys somewhere and and you're like you're like absolutely going mental in terms of like trying to remember every single last place mm. that you you left your keys and and just trying to figure stuff out. Like um, you know now that. <laughs> Little things like AirPods, they are they great, but the the second that you drop one, and you're like <laughs> you have like scour the floor, you can't see what's going on, and, and you're trying to feel to find it. It's just yeah, then then that leads to like I don't know, you you walk into a brand new room and you're like can't find the light switch or you can't find um, mm. you know something that you've left on the on the ground or you walk into something. Then you try to use that to adapt your life to to then the outside world where you're like, okay, if you lose your bearings or you lose your orientation or you lose your sense of direction, you know, figuring out ways, you know, like, um, my, my, when growing up when I was like really young, um, my parents would try and get me like things that I could, that could like, um, stimulate me in terms of like lights or, or something that I could feel and touch. And, um, obviously I couldn't see what was around me. So instead of bringing it up from my, uh, like feeling around, I'd like lay on the floor, and instead of like being able to to look at it, pick it up with my hands, I'd like feel around with my feet, grab it in my, between my legs like that, bring it up to my hands, grab it like that, and then that's mm-hmm. how I bring it up to my hands. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it just shows that even at such a young age, you were 
then I was tapping into other senses and that sense was feel, but then you also like you're, you're hearing and stuff. And um, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, it's just different ways of working that people just don't might not realize in the mainstream because they've never really had a conversation with someone who got a disability or who's blind or, or so yeah, some form of just impairment, but actually just like my mates look at me like live a normal life. If anything, I get the most grief out of everyone because they're like, right, okay, does these all these motivational talks and everything, but you can't <laughs> swim six lengths of a swimming pool. You know, that's no excuse, is he? Um, so, but no, it's, uh, it's really good. I, I'm lucky to have a great supportive network around me. Yeah, yeah, that's very important. Also, that little that tongue in cheek banter that um that can goes a long way, I think, in in boosting morale sometimes. Um, I hope this isn't like overly trivial sort of questions, but I'm I'm curious to understand, and I think it'll be it'll benefit the listeners to understand how you how you get by doing sort of little tasks again that we take for granted, such as like cooking, um, traveling. If you're using your phone and stuff like that. I hope you don't mind mind me asking. I'm sure people ask you this sort of stuff all the time, but um, I think it will be it really benefit myself and the listeners to understand that. Personally, I'm proper lazy, so I'll, I'll warn you. <laughs> I I'm probably the wrong person to ask about this because I'm uh, I'm really really lazy. But like I I I live at home at the minute, so actually I'm mm. I'm quite lucky to uh, have my mum who cooks for me and and yeah, she kind of look after me really well. But in terms of um, yeah, people little adaptations that like you'll 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 that even I come across on a on a daily basis where like people are like, okay, so when you're pouring a cup of tea, how would you do that? And if I get these little devices where they clip onto the end of a cup and they've got little little prongs coming down and what happens is they when the water touches the prong it'll start to beep. Um and that stops you from the water overflowing the cup. Um and it's actually really crazy because there's um the prong is two there's two prongs, one that's slightly longer and one that's slightly shorter. And like the reason why they have them like two sizes of prongs. One's for your water, um, which will give you a certain type of beep. And then you, you put your water down, then you've got your tea bag in, of course, but then you've got your milk. And then mm. the second prong goes to your milk. It'll make a difference on when you hit that, when you're just about to tip the cup. And even things like that just amaze me that people have gone to that length to to think of things like that. Um, also, like when you're, when you're boiling something or, um, you know, there's a little disc because obviously you can't see the bubbles when something's boiling, but there's a little disc which will start to rattle when you've when something's boiled, um, and all sorts of other adaptions, you know. But also just common sense, you know, like why why would you get a block of cheese and get a grater and grate cheese when you can get pre-grated ge- cheese? You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like little things, little things like that um, of just finding different ways, different ways around it, and there's lots of adaptive kitchen equipment like talking scales um and um, obviously you've got like kind of like now you've got like readers that read kind of in terms of like um ingredients within within um i guess youtube's helped a lot in terms of like if someone wants to cook a recipe they don't have to have a recipe book anymore and mm. then they have to have someone to read it they now stick on a youtube video for that and that's what a lot of people in the mainstream do you know um so things like that in terms of getting uh, around and, and, and using my phone people like generally get asked the question like can you use email I'm like I've been using email since I was about 11 years old um, <laughs> you know and people are like but how so uh, you know in terms of my technology my iPad my phone they, my computer like they're adapted so that there's like a screen reader on it so as mm-hmm. I type it will it will read me out what's on the what's on what I'm typing or what's on the screen and same with my phone like like 
oh god, I hope there's nothing nothing dodging my phone now. But like uh, when I on, <laughs> when I um, when I have my phone and what what I can do then what is like it will it will read me mm. out what's what's on my um what's kind of um on my screen. So I, I brush my finger over it and it'll be like messenger WhatsApp messenger. It'll read me out what's on my phone, which will then allow me to to be able to. You can't see it, but you can hear what's what's going on. Um, but you, like, it's not well. Sometimes I do. I think about this. Like, if you're on a train and you've got to like, keep the volume quite low, and it goes really fast because you keep quite volume quite low because that especially next to you is getting a good. Good, uh, good hearing of uh, your texts and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. text. Quite hard to be secretive, so, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but the reason why, but there's a way around that is because blind people like train themselves to be able to hear the voice really fast. So it's like, and it's it's like no one else can understand it apart from you because you trained yourself to to hear it at a really quick volume, uh, sorry, a really quick speed. So like uh, you can hear and what. It's like, hello, my name is Azim. In normal, and my phone read, hello, my name is Azim. Now, mm-hmm. I'll still be able to understand it. Um, and it happens a lot with like audiobooks now. Like, people will be like, listen, that's you know, books. How do you read books? Well, everything's either ebook now or audiobook. Yeah. So, get an audiobook and I'll stick it on like times three speed. And I'll fly through books in like a few hours, whereas it might take someone a day or two yeah. because I'm just used to taking on that information audibly so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but there's all sorts of like adjustments and and things that things that that kind of help me that people just take for for granted, you know. Like um, they might might take something which they think is really easy, but for me, like like the little things might be the biggest like the biggest challenge. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of finding ways. But you know, at the same time, I look back at you know a challenge, a small challenge for me might something that I might find easy might be really difficult for someone who's hearing impaired, you know. Or someone who's like got another form of impairment or struggle or disability. So, yeah, there's, there's always a positive that can that can come out of it. Mm-hmm. What about um, school and university for you? Because they are they are years that, regardless of whether people enjoy them or not, they will always remember them. So how how was that? How was that for you? Especially uni, because there's there's things that that able sighted people struggle with like finding research referencing and writing essays and stuff like that how how was that experience for you i know you've recently finished your your undergrad but um did you have like adequate support there or were you sort of able to do a lot of these things on your own oh i was very very lucky that i had kind of going up to school like my parents were given the option to either send me to like a specialist blind school or a mainstream school and like um imagine at the age of five someone saying to you to you as a parent that you've got to send your child to a boarding school where you'll see them pick them up drop them up on a monday see them on a friday it just didn't make sense to my father and he was like okay actually sending him to a mainstream school where he can get the right support would be more important and um, so i kind of get I, I worked with a lady who supported me from nursery all the way up to when i uh, left my gcses and she kind of supported me in terms of like she'd she'd dictate to me what was written on the board she'd i'd talk and she'd write stuff down um she'd be able to help me in terms of let allow me to like learn braille learn mobility and mm-hmm. like that having that one person there to um allow you to still fit into a mainstream environment was really really amazing i guess and when i went through to up to high school you know they'd ad- try and adapt things in a way where you know i'd still be able to join in and they put a bell in a ball or they put a light in it that i couldn't like, somehow see the light or mm-hmm. just just find a ways around where i could still join in 
and just my mates like we just have a really good laugh at it like I still remember like one time playing dodgeball and being the last one in and I was like <laughs> everyone was just throwing the side absolutely going mental because I was just guessing I was literally just guessing where this ball's coming from trying to dodge trying to do a few roly polies just trying to get away from dodgeballs that I couldn't see that were coming at me and everybody was just going ballistic on the sides they, were, they just couldn't, couldn't believe that how has Azim ended up being the last one in when he can't even see what's going on? And just moments like that, that's what ended up like people just having a, a real, a really good laugh. Um, you know, and it, that's just, that's just how I go about it. Like go-karting and skiing. Like mm. I remember going skiing and like, it was like everything, I was doing really well up until like they put a lot of poles in that you have to go in and out of. And I'm mm. every single, like, I didn't even realize the poles were there. Wiped, knocked every single one out, ended up on the floor and everything started going, <laughs> It's just a really hilarious, but just things like that that I then that I remember, you know. And but it's just like Zim, okay, we're going go karting today. Okay, Zim, you're coming with us. I'm like, okay, don't know how we get it, but we just find a way around it and mm. kayaking and 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 yeah, and just like my mates coming coming and experiencing them them things with me, like okay, so how are we gonna get Zim to do this? Or okay, it's gonna be quite difficult, but we'll find a way to support him to do it to do it and yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky and I think that's why um, all my mates kind of um, respect me a lot for for that in terms of like never being able to say no I can't do it I don't want to do it um, because I'll, I'll I'll literally do everything like and, and then sometimes I think like I, I can't see and I'm doing it and then you're like no nah, I don't want to do it I feel a bit scared and it's just like you know <laughs> it's just you know it's like come on come on if I can do it you can definitely do it and taking that attitude I think a lot of people then get a good vibe from from like being around me because it's quite kind of um just that positivity I guess and just like mm-hmm. that taking up every opportunity because it's it's definitely played played a, a big role in in my life so um so yeah it's, it's just it's just kind of then now transferring that into the next um in terms of what you said about university you know that was the same having some great opportunities to to I got I was supported well in terms of academically you know finding different ways around um, instead of like um, having lectures written down on paper, I'd type them or dict- dictaphones or working with um, my study support would kind of um, help me to, to locate references. But everything's online now. So, uh, in, uh, so by me saying this, but like in four years of being at uni, I've not took out one library book. And that's yeah. because everyone, everything's online, like literally Google Scholar, like everything you can just find on a touch of a, of a click so it wasn't too that wasn't too bad and um now that i'm i'm kind of currently i'm a master's and then once that's done it'll be all education will be done and then it'll be time to move on to, to the next chapter hopefully oh mate incredible stuff incredible it's great to hear about things that you're achieving off the pitch and let, let's delve into into some more of those such as the tedx talk that must have been a really cool experience um i really enjoyed it because you you spoke a lot about um sort of how the, the initial judgments people make about others especially those with disabilities and i really liked how you 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 come across you, you want to be in a room for the right reasons you don't want to be there just just because they they want someone someone like a blind person to be there like you're there on on credit do you know what i mean and i really i really uh found that interesting throughout that tedx talk no i really appreciate that you and um, that took the time to listen to it i mean it's I, that opportunity came and I, I remember like going through college and A-levels and watching TED Talks on, on, on like part of, part of classes. And then yeah. no, it's just surreal. The fact that I was on the stage where it like, it'd be on, on a YouTube clip followed by we were TED. And it's just, it's just, I never ever would have thought that people would want to listen to my story and 
and hear what kind of some of the experiences that I've I've been through. But as I've slowly started to realise, you know, um, a lot of people who, who either go through disability, they they they're not um, for them. It's a very big part of their life in terms of they don't really want to and they don't really want to talk about it because some people people feel a bit insecure about it and not too confident or they don't open up about um you know particularly hidden disabilities because they, they want to be treated as normal and i probably went through a bit of a phase where you know i didn't i didn't want to speak about it openly because i thought you know um it's, it's better left untouched or you know it's just gonna open a can of worms and a load of questions but then slowly when i started to accept it like this is how i am probably not gonna get my sight back anytime soon like i'm just gonna this is the way i am this is how i was born and i adapted my life to it now it's just about kind of um just living the rest of my life to the best that i can with with like the cards that i've been dealt with and 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 if anyone's got a question about it, let's answer it. Let's talk about it because you know actually it it might help them to think slightly differently about me as as a person. And yeah, that's been that's been a really good journey that I've kind of been on in terms of just um not not necessarily accepting it, but then realizing the power that opening up about a co- or having a conversation can have. Um, and now that's what I we advocate for is like opening up and having conversations about things that that people might might feel are, are a struggle or are a challenge and the TED talk really allowed me to to mm. put that point across which I think um has been has been really really well received and hopefully that, that kind of continues and um you know I, I look back at it and I'm and I used to be quite like a, a shy person going, going up in terms of not wanting to be um a person getting selected or talking because you know I was just not very confident but um now I, 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 we've been talking all this time and Protrude the ears of all your listeners, but it's just like <laughs> it's 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 yeah, it's just kind of just personal development and and growth goes a goes a long way to then mm-hmm. um, you know opening a lot of doors for me um, outside you know in terms of from from TED, TED Talk has led to a lot more um, a wider reach in terms of my message and people wanting to get in touch and hear what I do and and yeah just just opportunities and every day it's feels like there's a brand new thing that pops up and some are just completely random and some it's just yeah i really enjoy the work that i do in terms of um you know the, the learn with that stuff now and it's mm-hmm. it's yeah it's really exciting to see where where it can lead in the future incredible stuff i've i've got to talk to you about the tough mudder uh, <laughs> especially as you're the the youngest blind person to have completed it at, at that point anyway um, so that must have been so difficult because like the parts of it, you're like stepping down on like bits of scaffolding and stuff like that, like dragging yourself underwater, obviously everything's soaking wet and covered with mud. How, how was that? How was that experience? Honestly, I still got like, I'm definitely mentally scarred from that, from that experience. I still get flashbacks <laughs> of, of just getting, oh, it's just horrible. Honestly, it's just, it's, it was a buzz, but it's just, I would never ever do it again. It's just mm. optionally, I just wouldn't do it again because it's just, it's just so cold. Like I just remember cramping up after having to swim through um, a pool of ice where you've got to like submerge yourself. And I was like, oh yeah. I was, like I'm, I'm, the craziest thing for me was I couldn't see the next obstacle. So like yeah. um, the guy who I was doing it with was who's my old PE teacher. Uh, you couldn't actually see. Uh, he would like describe to me the next one. I think ah oh, this won't be too bad. Just, just climbing up a a ten foot set of hay hay bales and then a and then like a swing off it into some muddy water. And then, like, and then he's like, "Yeah, we're just gonna like so the next one is even. It's just gonna be a little climb, and there's gonna be a slide into some a pool of ice, a uh, pool of water, and you're just gonna then walk out." And I'll be like, "Okay." Turns out it's like you climb up ten foot like scaffolding, then you've got you lie down and you submerge yourself head 
like to your head under um, water that's got ice cubes in it. There's a truck that's got refrigerated ice cubes that they're cutting open and they're throwing bags of ice into this this pool. And then you've got to fully submerge yourself in like under a barrier and they come back out. And it was just like, oh my, it was just a shock. Everything was just a shock. Like I do it. Everything was just a shock. You're like, right. There's some fences. There's some, uh, there's, they're going to run through this, going to run through the next obstacle team and it's just a run through, but there might be some wires that hang down and they, they might shock you. I'm like, all right. Turns out there's like electrocuted wires. Whenever you hit them, you get you just get a massive shock that like goes through to your teeth. And I'd be like, I was just like, and he just said to me, like, if you fall, I'm I'm not gonna be able to come back for you. <laughs> right. Okay. But yeah, it was it was a really good experience. But the whole reason why we did that was to raise um kind of money for charity for the cause of the the, the, the Royal Eye Hospital here in Manchester, who've done so much great work for myself and um, you know, so many others um, around the region in terms of giving them uh, the best possible opportunity to see. So, yeah, the, the work they do is incredible and uh, I've got so much time for them and I wanted to give something something back to them. So, yeah, that was uh, an amazing, amazing experience, but also mm. something that was really close, close to my heart and I've supported that charity now for a number of years, doing a lot of different things. And, um, yeah, every time, every time I work with them, they just, I, I just always think back to how my parents felt when, when I was, when I was a baby and they, they, they needed that support from, from the right people and they got it through the children, uh, children's hospital and the eye hospital in particular. So yeah, very grateful for, for the work they've done. Great stuff. Go check it out, people. Um, when you are completing a, a challenge like this or whether you're like preparing for a, a football game or something like that, where do you sort of take most of your enjoyment from? Because a lot of people, it's all about the, it's all about the process. But for others, it's all about the end result and, and trying to get the win. But for you, yeah, what's what's it all about for you? For me, it's like the people around me, like 100% it's the people around me, like the mm. staff, the players, the younger players, the older players, everyone who's like trained up to, to get to where they are now. It's, it's seen, seen them like flourish and, and seen them support me when, I, when I'm doing well, like they know that, you know, it's not been, it's not been an easy road. Like it's, it's, you don't just get given success on a plate. Like it's taking a lot of hard work. Like literally straight after this, we'll be going out training mm-hmm. and it's lockdown. We're training on an 11 side pitch. That's not been mowed for five weeks. Thanks to, thanks to grassroots football being short. Uh, it's like an 11, 11 side pitch in the middle of a park where, and it's just like, it's just just me and a coach and it's going to probably be absolutely teaming it down and sometimes it's about minus three and it's like what are we doing here but all that hard work is then leads to then the enjoyment of um, stepping onto a pitch succeeding doing well and seeing the people around you do well and that's something that I honestly like is is more important than even a final result like the seeing the hard work paying off of of um, the people around you and doing it winning it as a team or doing well as a team it's all about that and that's something that I've then taken into the other aspects of my life of especially when it comes to like entrepreneurship like you doing well as an individual fine it's great you know you do well make a lot of money but having people around you as a team succeed and seeing them do well alongside you you know it just makes it even sweeter mm-hmm. unbelievable okay right before we wrap this up with, with some some quick fire questions uh, we, we need to delve into uh, the program you're currently creating. If if you could talk us through it, sort of advocating disability awareness and, and team cohesion programs. If um yeah, the stage is yours. 
Um, so in terms of um, what I do now is um, over the last year, year and a half, um, I've been working with a small team to create um, a way in which wider society can can gain a, a better knowledge of what life is like to live with a disability and how those with disabilities can be better supported by those in the mainstream. Um, and I created this program called Learn With ESS, which stands for uh, education, sport and speaking. Uh, and the aim is to run um, practical workshops um, with the emphasis on um, working as a team and the enjoyment that comes with team building, team bonding um, and, and kind of all the skills that come with that, but also um, making it very meaningful and an educational process. So in terms of we do, uh, we do some work around opening up a conversation in a classroom um, surrounding disability and whether that be through kind of a bit about sign language, a bit about braille, a bit about invisible disabilities and learning, uh, learning, dif learning difficulties. So um, starting up a, a conversation, which then that's the education side of it. The sports side of it is we'll go into a, uh, a sports hall or a facility and we'll do um, a par some Paralympic sports or so blind football, goalball, um, to actually experience what it's like to, to, to play um, a, a, a a Paralympic sport with a form of disability and a lot of it is to do with visual impairment so for a lot of people just put a blindfold on walking in a straight line is a challenge um, and never mind like running through eight players trying to score and they're trying to hack you down you know it's 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 then that that realization of how difficult it is and the the elite level what that's like and I guess then the appreciation of of uh, what a blind person can actually achieve or a person with a disability can actually achieve um, and then the speaking is we get a motivational speaker in from the local community to to kind of um, as a sense of inspiration to leave a, a long-lasting message um, and we'd offer these workshops to uh, everyone from nursery age to um, those in in all people's homes like in terms of that's how the wide our age range goes and uh, from a variety of different places, from educational institutions to schools to colleges to universities to um, corporate organisations, where we use it as like a, a real educational experience, but uh, one that's really fun, really interactive, and one that leaves an experience that will last a lifetime, hopefully. So, um, yeah, the aim is to address disability, but in a really fun and interactive, practical way. And uh, my my hope and my dream is to get my enthusiasm. Um, across to as many as many young people or individuals and participants of our programs as possible and hopefully the program can grow and grow and take and, and kind of we can deliver these workshops in as many places uh, across the UK as possible and mm -hmm. uh, fingers crossed global oh mate amazing it's so great to see you're channeling your energy into, into something like that that could really make a difference to other people um, that that pretty much covers everything that, that I wanted to throughout this podcast. But we will finish with some quick fire or long ball questions um, that, that I, I like to call them. If you are ready to go with those. Yep. Okay, let's do it. Um, can you name one thing you want to do before you die? <laughs> big, big question, big question. Um, I think in terms of traveling, like I'd love to, to travel and experience parts of the world that people have talked about and then experience it firsthand yourself um and to see whether what people have said matches up to what what's actually done there you know whether that be kind of people talking about um you know life in 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 areas where there's more poverty but seeing like you know the, the little stories and connecting with with those people um you know to really experience what life is like for them and and then see what life was like for me growing up um so yeah i think traveling is a massive one but and also all the all the experience that comes with that and all the the memories hopefully mm -hmm. 
lovely stuff. Um, what about yourself are you most proud of? I think sometimes you, I forget to like give myself like a bit of credit, but I think looking back at um, my my development from like being a shy person to um, now like doing what I do, like I think just like how confident I've become. Like I never ever would have, um, you know, I was very shy in front of a camera or taking pictures. You know, probably because I used to get grief for like I literally mm-hmm. could not smile. Like I had a really bad, <laughs> really bad smile, which has got slightly better now. But like everybody was just like having a proper giggle at Zoom, couldn't, couldn't find a way to, 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 to pull a proper smile. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of that, that confidence now and that enthusiasm um, for doing something that I'm passionate about and believing in something that I really, I really, really think is important. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Do you have any life regrets? No, no, I don't have any life regrets Great. because so far I think um, I've, I've done I've taken every single opportunity and I think that's something that um that I think everybody should should do like any opportunity that comes your way just give it a go and you never know what it can what it can lead to and hopefully that that kind of that way of thinking I I can I I maintain and I keep on keep on going with because um you know you never know who you might meet or who you might come across or the the impact you might have on another person and yeah I guess just the unexpected things are the ones that I feel are, are the things that that I remember the most of the things that you you went into doing something one way and you came out to like with a completely different outcome and sometimes they work sometimes they don't work but it's all a learning process mm-hmm. yeah and final question what do you think 12 year old Azim would say to you now oh, what do I think 12 year old Azim would say to me now um Probably like um, back then, I wanted to be like something in academic. Like I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to do something mm. in like business. Never would have thought that I'd be doing something that I enjoy and and I'm passionate about and doing it like playing football, playing football and 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 that being a profession. And never ever would have thought that sat in a classroom learning about biology and science that I actually won't, probably won't need any of this. It'll be more to do with like <laughs> just doing doing a hobby that you enjoyed. That probably back then I didn't even know existed. Now you're playing it full time, and mm. yeah, it's just that like it's everyone's dream to play football, represent the country, and I'm I'm living that dream. So yeah, it's a it's a real win win for me. Incredible, Azim. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot from you, and I'm sure the listeners will as well. No, no, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. No, pleasure is mine, sir. And to the listener, thank you for tuning in to the Football and Feelings podcast. Give us a like, subscribe, depending on where you're watching or listening. But thanks a lot. I'll see you soon. Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.